as we kick off another episode of the Mentor Roundtable. I'm going to give a big shout out to our sponsors, Gaggle. They've been a huge supporter of our program, our mission, our vision to continue to support educators each and every day. Check out Gaggle at www.gaggle.net. They are a real-time safety tool that ensures the safety and well-being of your students on their school-issued email and drive accounts. Again, thank you, Gaggle, for all your support, and another mentor table is kicking off right now. But you gotta keep your head up, oh, and you can let your head down, hey, you gotta keep your head up, oh, and you can let your head down, hey, I know it's hard, no, it's hard to remember sometimes, but you gotta keep your head up, oh, and you can let your head down. We are live, and just to give a background, it was awesome because uh, Christine just said we were talking about the movie Aaron Brockovic, and she threw some crazy chemical out. What did you say? Hexavalent chromium. That's the chemical from the movie. Hexavalent chromium. Hexavalent, <laughs> hexavalent chromium. I'll take your word for it. And <laughs> we were. I said, is that what was inside Aaron Brockovic? And she said, no, it was confidence. And, and that's what we're rolling with tonight. So I literally, for our viewing audience out there and those of you who watch, who watch back, I was literally typing, I still have it on my screen. I will read it to you. That's how authentic this is. It says, hello everyone. I hope you had a wonderful Sunday. Education today seems to shift on a dime and many of our team have some unexpected shifts today between work or travel issues or personal issues that they are not able to make it. So we're gonna push off our discussion. We will not be on tonight and we're sorry for the short notice, but we wanted to reach out as soon as we had the confirmation. And I was literally going to hit send and Christine said, oh, I'm gonna be on tonight if you want me to join in. And I was like, ooh, we are thinking of not having it. And she said, let's do it. So she's bringing the confidence and, and all of her skills. And we welcome any questions you have in, in the chat. So. When I brought up and then we're like, what are we talking about? And I, <laughs> so I said, well, the topic was around growth, student growth. We were heading into spring and what are we going to do to ensure growth? A little bit of play on words for, for spring and, and growth of, of new flowers or, or whatever. And the first thing that Christine said was, well, for students to make growth, teachers need to make growth. So what did you mean by that? Let's dive into that. Um, well, what I meant by well, it, time out, first of all, yeah, yeah, yeah. before we get started, because I know who you are, and you've actually popped on a couple times, but for those who watch back or are watching live, give a little backstory. All right, so I am a Christine Ravese Weinstein. Um, I live in Massachusetts. Um, I'm a high school assistant principal, sort of like west of Boston in a, in a suburb. Um, I've been doing that for a couple of years. I was a science department chair, hex the, uh, hence the understanding of hexavalent chromium. Um, and I was a classroom science teacher for 15 years. Um, my passion work is mental health advocacy. Um, so you probably see a lot of my work on Twitter, um, all about being able to take the risk, because what if it turns out right? Um, and so I, I like to give voice to students with anxiety and support uh, the teachers in supporting the students. 
Um, and I wrote my first book with Times 10 Publications. It's called Anxious, just like a little like self-promotion. Here's the book right here. Um, and so that came out last March, just as the pandemic began. And I was recently signed by Codebreaker to write my second book, which we don't have a specific um, publishing date, but I'm working on it right now. And it's, it's all about fighting your inner voice. So um, ironically, we started out talking a little bit about confidence in Erin Brockovich, who is my all-time favorite female lead in any movie. And I used to show it in my science classes. Um, and I used to always tell my kids that uh, she is the woman I wish I could be uh, just because she's beyond confident. Um, and I think it's pretty extraordinary. So the book is going to be working, is going to be telling my story of fighting my inner voice, but I'm also adding the stories of other educators um, and their personal journeys with fighting their own voice. So it's becoming a much larger project than I thought in terms of uh, how deep it is for me. So I'm really excited to be able to finish that project and sort of share it with the world. So that's, that's cool. yeah. Yeah, and that's gonna be awesome. I'm super excited to, to see it uh, and, and read it and see it come to life because some of, the, some of the things I've seen you do bringing people together, and I think this is great to have you on chatting with us tonight, is about overcoming some of that you know, inner voice of, of learning as an educator. Because one of the things that I had found, I actually just ran a professional development on Friday. I ran a half day PD and it was kind of, it's kind of strange where I was in the high school auditorium and our elementary staff was in their building and the middle school staff was in their building and I was trying to model kind of the, the live remote teaching live. Yeah, yeah. Granted, I hope no one ever had, and this is the first thing I said, if you have a class of 150 kids zooming in and 75 in front of you, just quit. Like find another job, like don't do this every day. But we tried to model it. But one of the things I really, I found was that teachers were having a hard time having that personal growth. Like this is a new year for everybody. And yeah. so it like kind of jumps back to the first question you had, like, what did I mean when you said like, we want to talk yeah, about so that was kind of your lead into that. Yeah. So I want to bring people back to, you know, the first interview I had for becoming a department head. So um, I taught my, well, I worked my first 15 years in the same school district and really had no anticipation that I would ever leave that school district. I'm a really committed person. Um, and the fact that I ended up leaving is, you know, another whole podcast, but, um, when I decided to make, I think that's a mini series. Yeah, it's probably a mini series. Uh, we used to work together in Attleboro. So we know kind of some of the, the same yeah, part. we know some of like the, the, the players, uh, <laughs> and while those players impacted your kind of moving on, um, although they're not all the same players, I had a similar experience. So <laughs> we'll have to do a second episode of uh, <laughs> and just talk about that. Um, but so, you know, I had taught for 11 years and the, and the job opened up and, you know, I really had to, I mean, interviews are interviews in that, you know, some of the questions you're going to get they're they're the same regardless of the position you're applying for, at least in the world of education. Um, and you can like, to some extent, kind of like force your way through it by knowing enough to like use the right words and stuff. But for me, I really needed to know, like, like, why do I want to do this? Right? Like, I can't BS my way through that. So when I thought long and hard about impact, because that's why we want to be teachers, right? Like you want to have an impact on your students. 
well, in moving towards at that time, which was like a quasi administrative role because it was a department head. So I'd still be in the classroom part time, but I would be also leading teachers. It was evaluated. So I'd be um, observing teachers, that type of stuff. Like, why do I want to do this? And what I realized was at the heart of it, at the core of it, I'm still driven by impactfully changing students. That's still my- Well, that's good. That's a good thing. Whether I'm in the classroom, like with those kids directly in front of me or I'm not. And so what about this job is going to help me still accomplish that? And what will help me accomplish that is by making a change in teachers' lives. Because, you know, as a classroom teacher, I'm the leader in my room. So I have an impact on, let's say, 75 kids a day. That's what it was at that time because we had block scheduling, right? But as a successful administrator, if I can impact five teachers even, and then they each have 75 kids, then I'm impacting, you know, what is it? Five, carry the two, uh, 30, you know. So you can tell us all about the chemicals, but the the math piece of this is getting tricky though, I see. Yeah, so like it becomes sort of this, this, much greater gain. I can impact more students' lives by impacting the adults in their classrooms, right? And that's what I mean by, if you wanna talk about student growth, you have to talk about teacher growth because if our teachers don't grow, our students are never gonna grow. And this year, um, you know, there's been growth for sure, it's not the growth we might have expected. It's probably not straight up. It's it, the, the, growth, the growth that our teachers have um, made this year is growth that you almost you can't quantify, right? It's it's this qualitative growth. It's it's the ability to handle adversity, and a teacher's ability to handle adversity, when modeled for students, allows for students to grow and be able to handle adversity. And these are things that aren't necessarily standards, they're not check boxes. But I actually believe that the growth that we've gained this year is gonna be longer lasting than, than the typical curricular growth that we might have in any given year. You know, I, I tell people all the time, when you, think about, when you think about school, right? Whether you're an elementary school teacher, middle school teacher, a high school teacher, and you think about it now as an adult, like what do you remember I don't remember crap about the curriculum I learned. Like, I just, I don't, right? Like I took BC calculus and got a four on the exam. I don't even remember what a derivative is. I don't, I, I, don't have a clue. I don't even know what that means. There's like two levels of calculus. There's like AB, which is still really good in honors. And then there's like super honors, which is BC. Gotcha. Um, and that's what I took. And so, that's different than AP. It is an AP course, but it's like, it's like harder. It's more material faster, I guess, than like the regular. Great. So you don't remember that though. The point is, is I don't remember any of the curriculum. What I remember about high school and the rest of my schooling is I remember moments, right? I remember interactions with teachers. I remember obviously funny moments. I remember, I think about like my, I actually think about my growth. Like I think about like me as a freshman, which is horrifying and will keep you up at night. And then I think about like me as a senior, which is still terrible, but not as terrible, right? But like, I see the actual growth in me. I see how quiet I was as a freshman and how I became a little more confident as a, as a senior. And so, you know, that's what we've got to get teachers to focus on, that it's the life experiences that we need them 
to work on for our students because that's the, those are the lessons that they're going to take with them. I mean, Absolutely, and I think when they own that, yes, right. right, and when they when they own that growth, and I think you know, thinking back to some of the growth that I made as as a student, it was more when I found it, I didn't want to miss out. So so in high school and. I'm sure my mother can confirm all of this. I could just do enough to get by, like whatever, show up, get enough, get right. into school, never do my homework. And then when I got into college, the, the growth wasn't that I didn't get smarter necessarily, but I didn't want to miss out on what was there. So I, I learned how to adapt and grow as both a student. And, you know, what happened at, when, when I went to Springfield was as a leader as well, that we found things that fed our own growth. And I think that's what I want to jump into today. Like what's feeding our growth? Like for me as a, a younger student, it was collaboration. It was working with other people. It was going to, you know, we had what was called leadership training conferences and different things that we learned as a collective group. And it's interesting at 20, I did those things. And at 49, I'm planning the leadership lounge to do the exact same things. <laughs> that, that, that style of growth of bringing together educators here, here as well on Sunday nights is actually how I learn from other people. Like I, that's my learning style, bringing people together, finding ways to get people tomorrow night is the, the educator lounge. We're bringing teachers together. Like I learned so much from that. And what have been some things that you've done this past year that have helped your growth or you've seen other teachers grow as well? Because I know you not only have your own, but you supervise yeah, educators. And supervise educators and work with them. It's actually funny you asked that because just recently I was talking to a colleague and you know, in my, my current job, because, you know, unfortunately, like once you're the science girl, it, you really can't shake it um, as much as I want to. So in my current position, um, I'm assigned um, observations of a majority of the science department, right? And so, like, it kind of bugs me because I'm not just the science chick, but like, whatever, I'll embrace that to some extent because there's a comfort level there because it's what I've done before. I did make a comment to a colleague that like, I'm really proud of the work that I've done with that group this year. And what I'm proud of is that they're seeking me out to have conversations about things they want to try. And to me, that's the ultimate form of teacher growth, right? It, because it's not growth that you're requiring, right? It's not growth because there's something written in evaluative feedback that says you must do this. It's growth because there's a degree of comfort these teachers now have that when we talk together, it's a collaborative endeavor. This isn't me trying to like give you a grade on your teaching. This is me trying to help you reflect and grow as an educator with support, right? Um, and that's critical. Yeah, and that's beyond critical because they know like, yeah, we're going to make, we're going to write up an observation. Yeah, we're going to do a summative report, whatever, but nothing in those actual written pieces of material that the district has is there a surprise because we've talked about all these things along the way. Um, and I'm really proud of what I've been able to accomplish with them. You know, something so simple. I went into a classroom a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, it was a formal observation. The teacher knew I was coming in. We have right now, we're in a synchronous hybrid model. So she's got, you know, eight kids in front of her. 
and she's got another, I don't know, 15 kids or something around that, let's just say at home on Zoom that are like Zooming in live and the internet goes out. Nice. They need a tech guy. (laughs) They need a tech guy. And so- Poor girl. Poor girl. And so, um, you know, this is a second year teacher, okay? Her first year was the COVID year. So she's not taught a full year yet, right? Because she finished in March last year. So we didn't even get to go through a full evaluative cycle. Um, I, you know, I, I had some, some criticisms of her last year, professional criticism of her last year. And so if I'm her, I'm panicking. Like I am beyond panicking. Like my evaluators in the room, I just lost all my kids at home. The assignment we're doing is on the internet. Like, what am I, what am I supposed to do? And the manner in which she just, and we spoke about it afterwards and she admitted that she was quite nervous about what was going on, but the manner in which she just laughed about it in front of the kid, like she used aspects of like, this is funny. Like this stinks. Right, there's no. Like, what am I supposed to do about it, right? Like. Right, owning the situation. Right, like I'm confident that my evaluator is not going to dock me because of something that has I have no control over. But once she got everything up and running, right, she's got kids in her room, so she's still masked, right, because she's got kids in front of her. And she's on Zoom, and she's muted, and she doesn't realize it. <laughs> oh, no, this poor teacher. See her mouth moving. So she's talking, talking, and all of a sudden, she's like, oh, my God, I'm muted. And, and you're still in the room. Yeah, and I'm still in the room. And she starts reading the live chat. Kids are like, Miss, I'm not sure because I can't see your mouth, but I think you might be muted. <laughs> like, it was just so sweet. And my point is, is that in supporting her and allowing her the ability to take risks and not worrying about the outcome, just worrying about the process, when she was thrown an intense curveball in the middle of a formal observation, she handled it like a vet. She really, really did. Nice. There was nothing, she didn't feel like it was, um, it was going to count against her, right? Um, and, and I think that those are things those kids are going to remember. They're going to remember how the teacher was muted with a mask on one day and how she handled that situation. They're not going to remember that they were learning about how to determine, you know, average atomic mass. Who cares, right? Right. Um, and, you know, that's what we've got to be able to do for each other. And to be honest, that's how I learn best. That's how I grow is by taking sort of a deep breath and just realizing like perfection is not possible, mm-hmm. but seeing that in others and seeing others embrace that like she did. No, absolutely. I see, per, I see that uh, as a roadblock a lot with, with teachers that, that perfection is the enemy of good, where they uh, you know, put so much into one thing. And, and unfortunately, our standardized assessments are very similar. We put all the stock into one day. And I think that sadly, that mentality doesn't foster growth. So you've, you've, it's almost been well, 13 months in a pandemic for you, for you. And I know you were somebody who who would go to events and, and read and learn. What are some ways you have grown or ways you could recommend to other educators to grow outside of just your internal school building? Um, so like professionally growing, I'm assuming is what yes. Yeah, so um, Twitter's been huge. Like, yeah, I just really don't think we can underestimate the power that that Twitter can have on on people, right? Like, obviously, 
Um, my PLN is based on education because that's my profession and that's what I, I deal with. So the people I'm engaged with are, are educators. Um, and I, so I can't speak for like other, you know, professions and whether or not Twitter is helpful, but um, just listening to other people's stories, right? Um, and giving myself grace and connecting with people online has really in some ways made this uh, the best year, right? Because if not for COVID, it, you get so hung up on your school and what you've got to accomplish. And you're literally going like, as a high school administrator, you're literally going from like one event to the next event, to the next event, to the next event, like for kids, right? Like you got prom, you got this, you got that. And all that has gone out the window. And so there's time now to forcibly focus on trying to connect with people because you're so desperate for it that I've found connections I wouldn't have otherwise found. Um, you know, Twitter for me has been huge. And then even though there's no live conferences, I've been able to like make the rounds through virtual conferences. Um, and people have been so gracious, like just through like the chats at these live conferences and stuff. It's it's been an awesome experience and, you know, so professionally, I feel like I've learned a ton just from listening to other people's stories um, and meeting people through Twitter and writing a book too, so. Absolutely, I'm just gonna share something. And I don't know if this will work. I've never done it on, on the show before, but I'm gonna share my screen for a minute because as soon as you said that, when you were like, Twitter's been an awesome resource, I, I was just telling you how Friday I ran a professional development and mm -hmm. I had never done it before. And I've done a lot of different things. And I just put the question out on, on Twitter, like what would be some strategies you would, would, would tell folks? And it, it was amazing. Um, I'm gonna just share this, see if it works. Oh, here we go. Tell me if you see this, can you see it? It says you've started screen sharing, but I don't, oh, there it is. Yep, I see it. So like I, and this was only half of it. These are all the folks who told me, gave me some ideas. There was four here. You know, and it keeps going on. It goes down. Like people continue to just send in ideas, and this was all within one day. I mean, you can see the time the time lapse after I put it up. It's like try these things, try these things, try these things, try these things. Like it, yeah. it, it, it's crazy that I'm going to stop sharing now. That within uh, the, from the time I put it out there, I learned a ton from just other people. Really, I call it crowdsourcing. Again, you, you yeah. put it out there. So I've used Twitter a lot for multiple ways. One, to ask questions like that. I put out one time on, on Twitter. I was, uh, again, one of the episodes we talked about doing, doing online assessments and kids at home. And our district was venturing into giving, which was the STAR assessment, which is essentially a, a benchmark assessment but for our students who were at home all the time and I didn't know how we were gonna do it. And as the director of curriculum instruction and assessment, that was my job. How are we gonna do this? Mm -hmm. So I just wrote, you know, have a question for, you know, whatever I've said, but I put at Renaissance because that's the company who makes the star assessments. How would we do remote testing? We've only done it with kids at home. They sent me resource guides. They sent me everything like, just from asking the, the, the <laughs> folks on Twitter. It was crazy. So that's one way. And then, and I know you do the same, but I, I participate in weekly Twitter chats just to, on a topic and, and, and learn a lot from yeah, those different, are different sure. educators. And, and what that is, for those who don't know, 
you know, you hear hashtags and every and a hashtag essentially just is a search term. So like even tonight it was hashtag teach pause and it was about positive strategies to teach. And, and it just, it's a couple of questions and you, you have a topic. You and I actually hosted a chat on confidence, uh, ironically enough, and, and, and talked about how teacher confidence and we, in what happens is the host asks a question and then the participants answer and, and we just learn from from those topics um, throughout. I just ran, you know, last month, I think it was, I ran one with Culture Ed with uh, a friend of mine, Mike Earnshaw, who's actually writing a book as well about culture, but we wrote on authenticity, how you can be an authentic educator. And it was great just to see those uh, ideas come in, the questions, the answers. Um, what have been some impactful chats for you? Chats for me, um, well, I'm kind of biased. I really like, I like the code breaker chat. If anyone's ever participated in that, they ask like really strange questions. Yeah, it's different, right? It's totally different. Hey, I'm hosting this week. You better be ready. Well, you better live up to expectations. Better be strange. Fine. Um, but they'll ask like you know. I almost feel like they ask questions that a lot of teachers are starting to use now as like opening or like do now or like those questions where like, it really has nothing to do with what you might expect the class is gonna be about, but it's really just to start having a discussion. Like one week, the question was, do you think it would be more beneficial to start school later or end school earlier? And I was like, damn, like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I, I, it's never taken me so long to answer Twitter chat questions. So um, that one, I really, um, I like a lot. Um, I really like the culture ed chat that you run. That's a great one um, on Tuesdays. So was the code breaker one. Teach pause is one of my like, just it's so near and dear to my heart. It's so sweet. I love the group of people. Um, they just, I think that they sort of crush it. Um, formative chat on Mondays, Monday nights. I really like that one, but I have, I have a conflict on Monday nights. And so I haven't been able to participate in, it in quite some time. So, and so those, how have those helped you? Like if, if teachers are like, those are great. I'm going to visit these hashtags on these nights. What me is like, I just, this is going to seem so trite, but I'm just going to be honest. Like it just makes me feel not so alone. <laughs> like, no, that's not trite at all. That's perfect. That's, a, that's like, exactly what I want our listeners to, to like, understand. Like other educators out there, they're like feeling what I'm feeling. Like, um, and sometimes it's just like a quick line or a perspective that like I hadn't otherwise considered. Um, no one like a lot of what we need right now aren't like big blockbuster ideas sometimes they're just like really small quick reminders sometimes they're things you already know but you just haven't thought about in a while um and that's what those twitter chats do for me i'm like like i'm i'm a huge uh craig shapiro fan like he is just he's done wonders for me um he's a dear friend of mine and so his teach pause chat on sunday nights is like you can't walk away from it not feeling positive. Like, and who do, who doesn't need that on a Sunday night before you're about to start your work week, right? Um, so yeah, it's just, it's like the little impact it has that can go such a long way. Just, it's like a reminder. Uh, and I love that about the Twitter chats. So no, so I, I definitely would rank Twitter, uh, Twitter chats, any kind of formal connection on, on Twitter is definitely one that I, I would recommend for educators watching or watch on the on the replay some of the things and I know we gear our work towards new educators and 
it's been interesting that some principals have reached out that they've used this as part of their mentoring program. So how would you, what would you recommend for a new teacher who's never been on Twitter, who's never done a Twitter chat? Like what are some things that you would recommend for them to start? Kind of like me two years ago. <laughs> okay, you two years ago. Remember I had like, yeah. I was on Twitter, I had a locked account that had like 99 followers and I was yeah. like, yeah, said unlock that thing. Let's go. Yeah, I unlocked it and then was like, I have no idea how to do a Twitter chat. What is this? And you were kind of walking through it. Um, so I know Molly and Emily aren't here tonight, but if yeah. they were, or for other new educators, why and so, where to start? So I think the first thing to do if, to help new educators is, is give them a list of people to follow, right? So don't just be like, get a Twitter account. Like they're great because you're not going to have a clue. So give your new educators a list of impactful educators that they should follow online and don't have them just dive into a Twitter chat. Let them, you know, just follow these educators, spend a little bit of time every day scrolling through Twitter to see what these educators are, you know, tweeting about, what they're a part of. And then once they've spent a couple of weeks just kind of getting familiar with Twitter, I would then invite them to a Twitter chat um, that you're going to do. So if you are a mentor and you're mentoring a new teacher, don't just be like, hey, do the Teach Boss chat on, on Sunday nights at 7.30 Eastern time. Like do it with them, right? So, you know, maybe you're available through text, however you wanna do it, um, but you be doing the chat with them. No, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so that they can kind of like see how it goes. And also like tell them that for their first chat, like if they don't answer all the questions, that's okay. It's just a matter of being there and like seeing the discussion. Um, yeah, that's, a, that's an important point because one of the things I hear a lot of and, and not just from new teachers, from teachers who are new to something, say Twitter. The first thing I hear a lot is who wants to hear what I have to say? I'm just a insert a second, I'm just a second grade teacher. I'm just a fifth grade math teacher who, who wants to hear what I have to say. Um, well, that's why it's important to do it with someone because like if you're doing it with somebody then your mentor can like or retweet your tweet in a chat right and then mm -hmm. like that helps you get a little bit more visibility and then it's it's like an adrenaline rush when you get that first person that you're not really you know you don't know who likes even just likes your tweet like you're like mm -hmm. oh, I guess I have something good to say look the bottom line is you have no idea who is going to be impacted by your perspective and that's so that, true. Yes. So that's the mentality you have to have going into it. And it's something I always have to remind myself of, right? I mean, even given where I am today, I still have, and you know this, I still have a lot of moments where I'm like, what, what do people care about what I have to say? Like, that's just a natural right. self-doubt, right? But you don't know who's going to be impacted by what you have to say. And that's why it should be said, because I would like to think that as teachers, even if we can change just one person or impact just one person, it was worth it. Um, and you also have to have the perspective, like, look, one tweet's not going to change the world. Like, most, <laughs> depends on who you are, right? True. Kardashian, then you have a high. Maybe, maybe. But <laughs> we're not. So, you know, what you've got to do is think about like impacting one person. If you can impact one person, then maybe that person goes on and impacts another. There was a, someone on the Joe Rogan podcast 
um, who said, you know, you can't change the world, but you might be able to change your neighbor. And if you can change your neighbor, maybe you change your street. And if you change your street, maybe you change your town, town, city, state. Yeah, yeah. Like you go from there. So you've got to start small. Um, and so starting small is, you know, having a perspective that maybe influences one other person. No, I think that's critical. So I know because I've seen some of the work that, that you do, and I know you mentioned this earlier about attending some online events. So I want to talk about that just for a little bit, because obviously we kind of understand what it means to go to a conference. You drive in, you get a badge, you get to pick a, a sessions, you go sit down and, you know, you listen to a speaker. But for those new to online events, which a lot of them are, are free now, and I know we're doing the Power Summit coming up and the ASCD does them and many of the larger organizations are now doing them and even smaller ones like we just did an Ignite um, session. Mm -hmm. But I hear a lot from the from teachers I work with or from new teachers are like it's so daunting, meaning like it's if you go to an event and you walk in and you have the brochure of where to go, you kind of have a little bit of control when people think of online events, I think they get worried like it's going to be overwhelming. What has been been your experience with online events for teachers so that they continue to attend or go and, and, and well, grow? And I'm asking the one, woman who wrote the book Anxious, now mind you. I was just going to say, you're asking the person who walked into her first live events, live event and ended up sitting on the floor sobbing. So Correct. So this is why I wanted to ask you, because if you can enter this world of digital events, that I think you are, you have a great perspective for those who have both never done it and who may just shut their camera off and be like, I'm out. Look, I think you have to have a reason for everything you do. It's, it's, it goes back to the whole, like, what's your why, which is impactful, but like, it's starting to become to a point now where nobody's caring about their why anymore. Cause they're sick and tired of hearing about it. Right. Like, um, but like, what do you want to get out of it? That, that's, that's where the, the, the impact comes from, okay? It's, it, it, it's no different than a live event. You go to a live event, you see, you see a session that sounds interesting, you walk in, you sit there and you're like, look, this session isn't for me. Like as a presenter, it sucks when someone leaves, but I'm not gonna take it personally. I'm gonna be like, okay, that person's just not gonna get out of this what they want. Like go get something out of it. Like I want you to help your kids. If this isn't gonna help them go somewhere that it will. And online sessions are the same thing, right? They're pretty straightforward. They're, they all publish the sessions. So you see what time they are and you know, you just log in and in it again, it's like a live conference. Like I'll be presenting and I see people like, oh, okay, great. We're gonna start, there's 35 people in there. Next thing I know there's 18. I'm like, I'm sucking, but like, I don't worry about it because like, Again, if I impact one of those 18, that's, that's great. Like maybe they'll take something back and help a student out. Um, again, if something is daunting, ask someone to do it with you, right? Yeah, like, absolutely. Because a lot of these are free now. A lot of them- It's huge. They like- want you to go in. Hey, I've been thinking, I heard about this. It sounds great. Want to give it a whirl together? And again, like don't ask yourself to sit at the entire virtual conference all day that you're just, you're going to burn out. You're going to hate it, right? Pick one session, commit to one thing is better than nothing, right? And do that. I think people bite off more than they can chew a lot of times. They assume like, 
you know, oh, I got to do all these. I got to sit at my computer from eight to four on a Saturday. Who wants to do that? Nobody does, which is why nobody does that. They pick the sessions they want to go to. Right. And, I, and I'm glad you went there because that was going to be the question, the, the follow-up of that a lot of educators this last year have been like this online five days a week. Some of the draw of the in-person conference was like, I get to leave my district. I get to leave. Oh my gosh, I get to go somewhere. And now you're going to these online events from the exact same place you've been teaching for a week, right? And it's like, this is, it's not filling the bucket for me. And I think it's a turnoff, but like you, what you said is, is so true that if you were talking, if we're talking about teacher growth and there's something that you want to see, you're talking about anxiety, I'm going to be talking about mentoring, whatever it is that you just pick that session, you block off that time and you go and leave. And that's okay to do that because it's for your own growth. And again, it's like small incremental gains, right? Like for me, as someone with severe anxiety, like exposure therapy is like a very real thing in my life. Um, you know, if, if I'm terrified of uh, going to uh, a live event, the last thing that's gonna be successful is me having to go and stay the whole time. It's like, go in, walk around for five or 10 minutes, step out, recover, go back in, you know, like that's what you have to do is every time you show yourself that it was worth doing, you're more likely to do it again. And so that's what you've got to prove to yourself. And no. mentor, that's kind of your whole job. You've got to prove to your mentee that it's worth doing for them to buy in and do it. Um, and if you're like, hey, there's this online conference on Saturday from eight to four, you should do it. They're gonna be like, no. <laughs> Great, because I still haven't gotten a handle on how to balance that. Now, right. But if you're like, hey, I'm doing this free online conference on Saturday. There's this one really cool session that's 45 minutes. If you're around, you wanna sign on together. That's way more inviting and way more likely to produce the desired outcome. Uh, no, absolutely. And one. In, 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 a, in a type of online session that I recently participated in was called, it was an ed camp. And, and I had attended some in person before and I'm like, how do these online ones work? I did one for MA leads for the mass association, mass, whatever the new term is, mass, MSAA. And it was really, and it was really, it was really neat because it was, it was run just like an in person one where they had the big board and people put up ideas of, of different sessions. And it was, you know, and, and once I saw the big board, in a sense, what they call it, essentially, it's a five by five grid, like these are the sessions that are at eight, these are the, the 915. I was like, okay, I came at eight, I saw the big board, 830. All right, the two sessions I want to go to are nine and 11. So I did nine, pieced out for an hour, logged back in and stayed and see if I won a prize, which I did, which was great. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Like it's, it's really like anything. It's all about, you know, you've got to have self-care, right? And so <laughs> like you would tell someone like, a, 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 you would tell a first year teacher, you can't work 60 hours a week. You're going to burn out. You're not, you're going to be um, worse or worse for your kids, right? If you, if you, if you burn yourself out like that. And so um, you know, you give that advice to a first year teacher. Why wouldn't you give that advice to someone who's trying to do, you know, something on their own time to get themselves better. It's, it's like anything, you know, it's, I'm big into, you know, 
I'm big into running. That's, and I've, one of the reasons I've really started to love running, I was talking to a friend the other night and I'm like, I'm not really sure what's happened to me. Like I have like a coach now and I run hills by choice and actually enjoy it. Like what is happening? But what I realized is like, it's such a metaphor for life. Like it's, it's wonderful. There's so much about it that you can equate to, you know, if someone's going to go out and run for the first time, you're not going to say, okay, go run 10 miles, figure it out. It's just not going to happen. You're going to be the first and last time. Let me tell you a thousand percent, right? Just like if you say, okay, you're a brand new teacher. You're going to be working 60 hours a week. Okay. They might give it a go. Right. How many weeks are they going to make it? Right. Like not many. You got to go out and run 10 miles. They might make 10 miles. They're not going to do it in, you know, 90 minutes. Right. Like, right. Happen. Um, and that's, that's an important thing is that we've got to understand that it's okay to take a break. It's okay to not um, do what you think society wants you to do. You just got to do what you need to do for you. Um, no, and I think um, I'm glad you're going there because that's the, the last question as we come up on 45 minutes. We talk about this, this growth and we talk about things we need to do and this year, it seems like we need to grow exponentially more than we would have years ago or even a year ago. But I want you to share, and, and I'll share to wrap up after you, how can we have that balance where we have that, we want to have growth and, and drive as educators to improve. But as you started to go into, and I'm going to push you a little bit further, how do we have that growth, uh, but not burn ourselves out? Um, I think we overcomplicate it. Um, so what I think about is like a, a little kid, right? Um, they go through like these periods of time where they sleep a lot, right? And, you know, I've always heard, well, they must be going through a growth spurt because they're sleeping a lot, right? You can't grow unless you're well-rested. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen physiologically. It's not going to happen emotionally. And it's our biggest downfall. We think that in order to be better, we have to go harder. And it's actually the exact opposite. In order to be better, you have to take a step back. I was just talking to Craig today and he was giving me advice about training and when I got to learn to pull back. And so he was giving me certain statistics to look at and said, like, if this statistic starts to go here, like you need to pull back. He said, what's going to happen is you're going to have a crappy run. And what are you going to tell yourself? Well, I got to go harder next time. I must not be going hard enough. But when you have a crappy run, it's not because you got to go harder. It's because you got to take some time off. You got to recover. You got to let your body rest. And it's the exact same thing with teaching. I mean, this, this is hard work. It's really, really hard work. And we all know that. And as much as we want to be better, we, we put our foot on the gas because we think that's what's going to do it. When ultimately we need to decompress and we need to put our foot on the brake. Um, and that's the like ultimate advice that, that I would give that if teachers want to grow, that's what we've got to do. And if we want our students to grow, that's what we've got to teach our students as well. You know, kids are so overscheduled these days. Um, it's just, it's horrible. I mean, I see it constantly. My son's a hockey player and you know, you literally have dads like, all right, hurry up. We got to go to basketball now. Like what? Like this kid is not happy. <laughs> when is he going to be a kid? Right. So uh, I think that's that's our biggest fault as people, to be honest with you. 
Well, I was going to lay put something, a lens on an, an idea as well, but I don't know if I could sum it up better than that. That 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 where kids are going through a growth spurt because they sleep more. That that really resonated. Like that's that's true, and I I don't want to add anything more because I think that is a great way to close. Is that taking care of yourself and taking care of your own well-being is actually going to make you go further. It's actually going to allow you to attend these events and be rested. It's a, it's going to allow you to go to an extra, you know, we talked about Twitter tonight, talk, you know, attend these events, go to a different, you know, webinar or ed camp because you are rested. So that is wonderful. And, and I want to thank you and hopefully you get some, some rest because you put in double work tonight. You usually an attendee, but came on now as a, as a panelist. So I want to thank you for your time, your effort, and having you here and for those of you who want to check out some of your work online how can they do that um really like you just go to my website and it's like one-stop shopping it's just revasiweinstein.com pretty straightforward um you can get to my youtube channel from there you can follow me on twitter you can see all of my publications and my blog and all that good stuff there. just try to keep it, keep it simple stupid right <laughs> there you go i like it Awesome. Well, well, Christine, thanks for jumping on tonight. For those of you who watched live time, thanks for, for joining. And for those who watch on repeat, make sure to share this out. Make sure to have your own growth, but also make sure to take care of you in the process. So Christine, have a great night and have a great start to you. Week. All right. See ya. Say what you need to say. 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 Say what you